in our time in the Word this morning in 1 John chapter 3, we are coming on again um, a message, uh, the broken record message of John. (laughs) And he's going to say it again. Christian love one another. And it's the kind of message that we all kind of, as, as Christians, we all kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, got that one. You, you remember the first house you ever lived in? You remember the address of that house? Like, okay. You know, you've got some, you've got certain things filed in your brain that are on a certain level. And uh, we say that repetition is the key to what? Retention. Repetition is the key to retention. And for crying out loud, how often does the Bible say it? Love one another. You want to hear it again? Love one another. Over and over again. Scripture repeatedly commands us. Commands. What don't you understand about this command? <laughs> uh, and yet, here it is again. And it's going to come up again later on in First John. So just, just get ready for that and accept it. And the reason is, you and I are stubborn. And we keep going back to a certain kind of love that we say, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love one another, but what we really mean is, I like you. <laughs> That's what the, ten- the tendency is, that, that I like you. You're really, you know, you're on, uh, on the same page with me. So therefore, I like you. But we don't see that here in First John. We're in First John chapter 3, starting at verse 11. But to get a little background of the context, we need to look at verse 10 that Brennan covered uh, last time. In verse 10 it says, By this the children of God and the children of the devil. Okay, stop right there. We've got two categories, folks. And John hits it right on the head. He says there's the children of God and there's the children of the devil. Now, everyone look at me. Everyone look here. There are only two categories of people in the world and in civilization. Only two. And this is where Christians get in trouble. That's the way it is. Oh, you mean there's not all sorts of categories of people? Well, this category, they're really nice. And and this category, they're not quite as nice. And this category, they're, they're really cool. No, there's only two categories of people. Children of the devil and children of God. That's it. And you're either in one camp or the other. Okay? And you better make sure that you're in God's camp. That you're a part of God's family. Children of God, children of the devil. So, this idea of repeatedly coming back to say, love one another is the word agape. And so thus the title of my message. Are you guilty 
of agape. Okay? And that's the idea behind his message. That you should be, as a Christian, you should be guilty of agape in your life. And so to illustrate it, John, the author here, sets up a study in contrasts. And we've got to keep in mind verse 10. Children of God, children of the devil. And he lays before the reader here in verses 11 through 18 a very uh, negative example and a very positive example. It's a study in contrast. And to nail down the message, verse 11, look at verse 11, to nail down the message which you have heard from the beginning. He wants to tell us, here's the contradiction of love. In your point number one in your outline, he starts with the contradiction of love. Or here's, here's the opposite of what he's, what he's talking about. And he says, we should not be like Cain. He goes immediately to an example of saying, this is what we should not be like. This is what love should not be like. Like Cain, who was of the evil one. And so, get two subpoints here under point number one. Number one, letter A is raising Cain. Raising Cain. And letter B is ruined ruined Cain. Okay? So, the contradiction of love, and he starts with, here it is, verse 12, raising Cain. He says, he was of the evil one, or belonging to the evil one. Cain is mentioned here as representing the firstborn of who? Adam and Eve. And in that, he is the firstborn of, here, here it is, the sinful seed of Adam passed on to his first son. And he is born sin nature. Adam was created in God, in, in, his, in God's likeness, without a sin nature. But yet he, he did sin. He had the capability of sin. But Cain was born with the seed of sin nature. Just like I was born with a sin nature. Just like you were born. You, you look at the, you look at, look around the room here and you try and look at who, who's the sweetest person around. Now stop looking at me. But you look at the sweetest person in the room. Who would you determine is the sweetest person in the room? And you think, my goodness, they were born with a sin nature. I, you know, their mom and dad didn't need to teach them to lie, cheat, or rebel against God. They were born that way. Okay? So, you know, I just talked to uh, Sean Hesse this, this past week. You know, you don't stop and tell Sean and Tasha how sinful their little baby Alexa is. <laughs> Just don't do that. You know? But that's the case. That's what's in them. And that's what's in you and me. Okay? Now, in this 
in this idea of raising Cain, Adam and Eve, actually, some commentators believe that Adam and Eve were really boasting in, in that Cain was born, when he was born. Because they named Cain, uh, the, the idea behind his name is begotten one. And what had they just experienced? If you study Genesis chapter 3, you, you, you realize that God is saying, and the seed, your seed will crush the serpent's head. Well, just like any one of us, it's like Adam and Eve are saying, oh, we got a baby boy. And, oh, he's the one. He's going to do it. Why not? You know, you, you get to think in that way. And so some commentators think, oh, here's the, the boasting uh, side of Adam and Eve's uh, of thinking that their son is going to be the the one. And then others, other commentators would say, no, they're not so much boasting in that idea of here's the the chosen one in Cain. They're, they're just hoping that he might be the one. So that's the difference in some of the commentators as you study this issue of Cain and the excitement uh, when he was born. But also we need to understand that when John uses Cain as an example... He's representing the line of the wicked one. He says, Cain, who is of what? The poneros. That's where we get the word pornography. It's, it's the, the base word for evil. He is of the evil one. He belongs to the evil one. And in Jude, you can mark it down, Jude 11, the, the, it's spoken of the heretics, the false teachers that have gone in the way of Cain. Okay. And so really, it's like as if this is a profile using Cain here as an example of what love is not is, is a profile of the unregenerate old man who's still under the curse of God. He's, he's the unbeliever. He's the line of the wicked. You can follow the line of the righteous and the line of the wicked. There it is. Only two categories all throughout the Bible. And your life is on the line right now. Meaning, what line are you in? Okay? Think about that. As we move on to letter B, the ruined Cain. And why did Cain murder his brother Abel? What led to the murder? And it's pretty simple as we piece it together from Genesis chapter 4 here to 1 John chapter 3. Cain's offering, well, first of all, his deeds were evil. The Bible just says it right there in uh, chapter 3 here, verse 12. What reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Well, let's take a moment to look at that. What that means is that they both did what? They both went to sacrifice. They both went to sacrifice. So Cain had an understanding of God, of of sacrificing to God, or we could say in a more general way of going to worship. He had an understanding of that. But here's the difference. Abel went out of his way to worship God. Cain did not. It's like Cain was just discharging his normal duty. You know, tiller of the ground. And uh, he's got to do this anyway. And here, here, along with that, here is a, an example or a representation of a, 
a works righteousness based sacrifice. Let me say that again. A works righteousness based sacrifice. It shows that Cain was showing here's, here's his own self-interest. Here's his own way. Here's his own agenda of doing things before God. Of appearing what? Religious. He appeared religious before, you know, he was trying to show that he was being religious before God. Okay? But he's ruined because what happened at the time of the, here's the sacrifice, there's Abel's, here's, here's Cain's, and what happened? God rejects Cain's sacrifice and accepts Abel's. Abel's was what? His sacrifice was a blood sacrifice. File that away. Make sure you have that. A blood sacrifice. Because there's going to be another blood sacrifice some, you know, 800 years later, whatever. You know, following, that's not right, not 800. It's, it's more, it's farther down the road. But Christ becomes the blood sacrifice. And it's to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb being slain and His blood covering our sins. Okay? So Cain's sacrifice was an initial uh, representation of works righteousness type of offering. And it was a failure. It was a failure because he had attempted to do his own kind of sacrifice. It also His being ruined also shows that it, his self-interest... Follow this now. His self-interest was greater than any notion to repent or to reconcile himself back to God. Okay? His self-interest. He had that moment where Cain, Cain had this moment where he could have repented. He could have offered up repentance to God and acknowledged what he did was sin. He had that opportunity before he turned and went after his brother in anger and murdered him. Okay? We see that Cain's religious and worship experience was driven by what? What was it driven by? His own self-interest to show himself as being okay with God. See, that's the core behind... That's the heart behind much of the religion in the world. Because it's based on what? It's based on your performance. It's based on what you can accomplish before God. And see, this is one of the reasons why John uses Cain as an example. Okay? So, it led to murder... Now, the word there that... And why did he murder his brother? That word is not just, you know... I mean, sometimes we get it in our minds that, oh, there's murder. It was, it's the word for slaughter. He slaughtered his brother. He slew him. You think, my goodness. I mean, come on. What's going on here? This is really extreme. And all we're talking about is love. Come on. 
And so I come to this letter C, why Cain? Why such an extreme example? I mean, come on, I'm not a murderer like Cain. You know, you're not a murderer like Cain. So what's the reason behind John's using it as as an example here, as an illustration? The reason is due to what went on in Cain's heart. He was religious. He went and brought his sacrifice to God. He brought up, he was brought up knowing about worship and sacrifice to God, but he allowed, listen, he allowed his self-interest to rule. The combination of his own offering being rejected and Abel's being accepted resulted in what? His anger. His anger taking over. Now, can you relate to anger? Nah. Okay, let's move on then. You and I can relate to anger. And see, here's the connection. You know, and and Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be, what? Liable to judgment. And he had just got done saying, here's here's about murder. So Jesus is connecting murder to anger. So... Cain allowed his self-interest to rule. And when he saw the difference, he he was angry. He didn't get his way. And so, again, rather than repenting and reconciling himself to God and pleasing God, he went with his natural bent of self-interest. And his anger, listen, his anger led to the slaying. To, led to murder. So seeds of anger and hate and jealousy in my heart or in your heart need to be taken care of. Not, not to suggest that you're going to go out, you know, and anger is going to take over and you're going to kill someone this week. I'm not, you know, that's not the point. But the point is, the equation is there. And that's why Jesus spoke about it. That we wouldn't have, that we wouldn't allow the anger to to fester, or allow the the hate to grow in our hearts. You know, we choose not to uh, go the route of murdering someone, literally, but there's the tendency to murder someone in our hearts, and it's true because of how we treat other people. It's how we treat them. Or maybe it's how we don't treat them. We just totally ignore them like they don't exist. And he's, he's building so that we'll see this, this contrast. Here it is. And in, in the kind of on the meter of my life, it, it is, is anything leaning towards this thing of anger in my life? Is anything popping up? That just, what do I get angry? And why do I get angry? I haven't admitted this to many people. But in our home, (laughs) on our dryer, there's a dent. Maybe you didn't. Did you know this? (laughs) There's a dent on our dryer. It's there from many years ago. 
when our kids were home. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where I had to get out of the house. So right before going into the garage, boom. Okay, get rid of the anger. All right? You don't do that to your kids. Yeah, you don't do that to your kids, and many people do. God have mercy on us. Now, there's, there's a place for proper discipline for your children. And yes, there needs to be discipline for our children. They're not the boss. They don't know which way to go. They don't see farther down the road than you do. So yes, there's got to be discipline for our children. And do it in a, in a way that's spelled out here in Scripture. Okay? But think about it. I want you all to think, why... It, maybe you're dealing with strife in, in your heart. Maybe you're dealing with unrest in your heart. And, or maybe you will in the future. Maybe you have in the past. You, you know, typically everyone has. But see, there's stuff that gets stirred up in our lives. And there's a battle going on. And it's me. I want my way. And yet I know here's what God says. Here's what God wants me to do. And who's going to win? And when anger wins, you can typically count on it that it's typically not righteous anger. It's your own anger. And it's you getting your way. It's me getting my way. I I know there's, there's all sorts of stupid stuff in my life that I've gotten angry over. Why? Because I didn't get my way. And the more we can have the counsel, the more that we have the counsel of the Word of God and the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the more that people, your family members, and your friends and neighbors will see Christ in you. But you think about it. Is there something that you're um, treating a certain person in a certain way because a while back you just got angry at him and you haven't let it go? Are you still harboring that? Anger, hate, jealousy in your heart, left undone, it it just is going to cause that more and more and more in your life. And I've said it before, I refer to the weeds in my backyard. That's what you're going to (laughs) get. It's just a mess. So tend to your heart, Christian. Tend to your heart and, and let God do the, the pruning. Let God do the changing. Let God do the work there. Ask Him to. Are you, have you held a, a grudge or something against your spouse? You got some little thing in your, in your mind, that little uh, list that you're, you're really ticked off at your spouse for something? Christian, you got to deal with that. You've got to get that made right, cleared up. You know, just stop and think, what is it really going to result in if I let that continue to fester? So, the point is, is the big picture. It's not that big of a gap between anger, hate, and murder. And we're, again, it's, it's a matter of, are we allowing murder to happen in our hearts? 
So that's why John is referring to Cain is to warn us about the absence of love. Okay? Point number two. Here's the flip side. It starts at verse 16. We know this. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There's the springboard into point number two and that is the compulsion to love. The compulsion to love. And letter A, it's based on a principle. It's, it, you could say it's based on a, on a fact. Here it is. We know love by what? Hollywood. Let's talk about Hollywood love. Let's talk about romance novel love. Let's talk about all sorts of love. See, that's the problem. We have so many concoctions of love that we don't get this. And we don't do it either. We prefer our self-interest. We don't prefer laying down our lives for the brethren like Jesus. All the while, it's hidden behind Christian lingo that I go to church. I study the Bible. I pray. I love you, man. And as we're going to see, John is going to... Like Brennan mentioned last week, there's some tough things he says here that we need to face up to. But listen, everyone works off of a principle in life. Everyone does. Everyone works off a principle. And if your principle is like Cain's, he was religious, he went to sacrifice, he went to worship, and his sacrifice highlighted himself and look at what kind of guy I am. Look at what I've accomplished. God, you, you see what I've done and you should just accept me because of here's all the works that I've done. And I, I, I'd be a great addition to heaven. What kind of hogwash is that? That's the sin of the way of Cain. And it's not just for the pagans out on the streets it's for us to evaluate ourselves. Do I slip over into that? God help me not to. But every life is based on a principle. By this we know. And how do you fill in the blank? By this we know that here is love. And it's like a definition. He laid down His life for us. Laying down a life. It's just like the idea of here's, here's my, my sacrifice. Here's my offering. And I come and what do I do? I put it on the altar and lay it down. What does Romans 12 say? Verse 1 and 2. That you, Christian, are to be that living sacrifice. Okay? The principle keeps things clear on what love is and what love is not. And so our task, one of our tasks is to make sure I'm, I'm discerning what 
love is not. And I'm so prone to go after what love is not. I want, you know, it's like, I want to be around people that like me. (laughs) Don't you want that? And we're all happy. But that's not what he's defining here. And that's not what Jesus did. My goodness gracious. Jesus was surrounded by people that were saying, crucify him. And he still went through with it, my friend. He still went through with it. But it's not only, the compulsion to love is not only based on a principle. Here's what love is. It's also believed on by your practice. Okay? Letter B, it's believed on by your practice. Here it is. You show your principle of life and you you show your belief by what you, and how you behave. And so he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Okay? Now, it's not at all to be compared with what Jesus did. You know, there's not a one of us could do what Jesus did. Well, he laid down his life in in such a humongous way. (laughs) But not, not a one of us can do. But the point is that we would follow along whether it is in death or in the little ways. Okay? Whatever it might be. There are some people, and you might know of of people, there are some people who have given their lives over in death. It might be a soldier. It might be someone else, you know, that you know. They gave their life and they're, in the most ultimate way, and they're dead. And, you know, it might be that you, mom... You would give your life for your child. Dad, you would give your life for your, your children's mother. <laughs> Whatever it might be. But it's not just stuck on that big, huge uh, sacrifice I did, but in the little ways, in the little ways of life. Today, how can you do it? How can you show it? So it's based on practice. I mean, I'm sorry, it's believed on by how you practice in your life. And so, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This helps us to remember God's admonition from James chapter 1. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Parents, look for opportunities to lead your children into this practice of love to help them discern between the kinds of love that are out there. I mean, some of you, your, your kids are like teenagers, you know, that, at that age, and they're like, you know, they come home with that starry look in their eyes. What's the matter? I'm in love. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's fun. That's neat. That's exciting. But there's a difference we're talking about. Here's, here's more about infatuation. You know, I, I can't get my mind off of this young guy or this young girl. And, and how do we help our children in our own families learn more about this kind of love? Okay? And that's, what's, that's what God's driving at here. 
that we would all learn this kind of lay down your life love. Okay? There is a difference between sentimental love and sacrificial love. Okay? Then, let us see. If we have, here's the principle of your life. And now here's the practice of your life. The more we are geared towards agape love, the more that we can be saying, you know what, I, I, I'm looking for opportunities where I can show this kind of love to who? My brothers. That's what it's saying. Love one another. And hopefully that love will be seen by the world. Okay? Now, here's, here's something we have to talk about. What about the people who say, you know, or, or we, we who say we're, we're believers in Jesus Christ, and, and we see other people demonstrating this kind of sacrificial love. And we know they're not believers. How, you know, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that in your mind? Are they going to be uh, accepted by God because they've demonstrated uh, agape love and they're not even confessing Christ as their Savior? You know what I mean? You, we see that. We see that with um, uh, mercy groups that are more secular than, than church or Christian. And, and they're just out there pouring themselves out to help you know, refugees of this kind or that. You know? But there's no talking about Jesus. And really, I believe that this is the same. This falls under this category of here's common grace. Common grace covers, you know, here it's from God. God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on everybody. It's common grace. And so it doesn't, it should not surprise us that God, in His infinite way, allows people to show a reflection of what He's all about. God is love, right? And yet, it still comes back down to your profession of faith in Christ. Not your, not your works for Christ first. That follows, here's the profession of Christ. He's God. He's the Son of God. Only begotten. Okay? He's the, the Lamb of God. Okay? All the things that we understand in this theology of who is Jesus Christ. So... Here's your principle, and now here's how you practice. Is it based on this kind of love? And it comes to letter C, and that is the burden of proof. That's why we say, are you guilty of agape? It's, it's like it, it, it comes to this. Is the burden of proof given over towards that, you, you know, you have demonstrated agape love and laying down your life for others? And that might be in in little ways of helping someone with their groceries. That might be, uh, you know, helping uh, an elderly couple with their, you know, their house stuff or their yard. You know, and a lot of it is what he's saying here in this context is it's, it's within the house of God. It's brothers and sisters loving one another, laying down their lives for one another. And that becomes a challenge to us because I, you know, if I'm sitting in the, in, the, in the pews, I look across and I might see someone that I'm thinking, oh, 
I'm not sure I want to, you know, go that far. <laughs> Where do you, you know, it's like we've, we've got to be able to lay down the stuff that's been built up in our lives of, a, of a preferential kind of treatment. You know, he's saying, let, let us lay down our lives for the brothers. So with a recognition and awareness of how prone we are to close our own hearts against a brother. You see that, where that's at? Verse 17. Look at it. Verse 17. He says, whoever has the world's goods. That means you and I. Because we're all, you know, we all have the possessions. We, all of us. We all, we're all rich compared to the rest of the world. <laughs> we're all rich. Whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and, look at that phrase, closes his heart against him. And that's the idea of that door. If we're, you know, opening this door on the side and we could slam it. That's the idea, that it's being slammed. The door is being slammed on this opportunity. Well, that doesn't prove agape love in my life if, I'm, is, if that's the image that I'm creating in dealing with another person, another brother in Christ. So we need to turn to Christ asking Him to empower us to love. Meaning what? Love means lay down your life for others. To recognize a need. To recognize the need. To see it. And then what? Say, huh, be warm, be filled. Hope you're okay. See, that's why the body of Christ isn't where it should be. The body of Christ isn't responding to the need. We see the need and say, well, hope, hope something works out. Somehow, God helped me to not just see the need, but help meet it. And so, think of it. If just me and the front row does that, wouldn't it be great, front row, if the next row did it, and the next row did it, and and then everyone started doing it? Right? And that's the idea of the Christian family, of God's children. Here's God's children. They're guilty of agape. Okay? They're guilty of agape. John 13, and again, John 13 is, is such a foundation for this theme and this topic. If you don't know John 13, you got to get to know it. That's where Jesus strips himself and serves. He gets down and he washes the feet of the disciples. And along with John 13, you need to get to know John, uh, you need to get to know 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't know 1 Corinthians 13, Get to know it. Own it. Get it tattooed up there. Here's what love is. And then here's a family project for you. Whether you're retired or whether you got little, you know, toddlers running all over the place at home. Here's the project. Study John 13 and see what he says. In John 13:34, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another 
even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said it two times in one verse. Love one another. And then the very next verse, he says, by this, all men, all men now, not just one another's brothers, but now all men will know that you are my disciples. If you condition, if you agape one another. Okay. But then the family project comes to this. You look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And you say, here's what love is. Now, kids, or husband and wife, let's talk about what love isn't. What, what's the opposite of this? Okay? If love is patient, according to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, what's its opposite? You can't say impatient. That doesn't count. can't use the same word. have to come up with another word. Think about it. And help. Ha- have your kids help in it. So that you're thinking this over. And that you're responding in action. Love is not hasty. Right? How many of us are hasty and stuff? Oh my goodness, terrible. I, hasty all the time. But it's a, love, love, is, love is patient. How many times have we rushed into relationships in the past? Because we think, oh, I found love. Love is patient. Okay? All sorts of things that you can come up with when you read down 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 and then come up with its opposite. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. All those things. And and get it going in your family. And then grab one of those words and make a big poster for the refrigerator and put it up there. Saying, this week, here's what we want to remember. Okay? About love. So. Is the proof there wrapping up up with these questions. Is the proof there that you, Christian, are guilty of agape? Well, maybe the reason we don't experience more growth in this area of agape love is because we're too taken over with just liking one another. Well, I I don't like them. Uh, I know I'm supposed to love them, but I, I like these guys more. Get rid of that thinking. Neglecting agape love of the brothers is just shutting the door on the opportunities that Christ has given you so that He might work His touch through you onto other people. Okay? So, as we finish it up here this morning wouldn't it be great to be able to say to the judge that was convicting us of agape love and you stand with your hands wide open and say I couldn't help it judge I couldn't help it it's agape love in me and I'm compelled because of the love of Christ by this we know love that he laid down his life for us brothers, sisters in Jesus.
let us do the same thing. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, we want to point you to the author of love. We want to point you to Him. And so we would call to you to receive Christ, who alone is, He, he came in, he, God in the flesh, who showed up to rescue sinful mankind. Sinful from their evil ways, whether that be religiously speaking like Cain, or just rebellious, totally rebellious ways. He would rescue you. Trust in Him today. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we bow before You here this morning, thanking You for Your Word. Lord, there's many other issues and subjects that come to mind as we read Your Word, even in this one passage. Lord, we know that the world will hate us as Christians because we say there is only one way. It's really not even that. It's, it's more because of who Jesus is. The world hated Jesus and it will hate Christians who love the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that in, in our lives we would be lifting You up and honoring You. Help us to love as You have called us to and we thank you for, uh, and while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we praise you. Help us this week to go serving you, honoring you, whatever our job, whatever our place in life. Help us, Lord. And then help us to be able to teach others about your love, to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and be able to reflect on that and be changed people because of it. Guide and direct in our lives. We praise You and thank You in Jesus' precious holy name. And everyone said, Amen.